Stay tuned for the Lynn Show. Today, in honor of her 90th birthday, I'm re-airing an interview I did with the more than remarkable Eva Slane. Beautiful and mostly unassuming, Eva had a career as a high-powered theatrical agent, representing such luminaries as James Earl Jones, Helen Hayes, and Carl Sandburg. With her beloved husband, she worked to make the North Shore Music Theater in Beverly, Massachusetts, a success. And having decided to settle in Sarasota, she became one of the most devoted patrons of the arts, winning the Sarasota Magazine Award as one of Sarasota's 28 most important people to the arts. She did all this after escaping at 10 years old from Nazi Germany and beginning life again in a strange country. Listen to this remarkable woman tell a story of becoming all that she was capable of becoming in spite of some really terrific obstacles that were thrown in her path. It's a remarkable story. So hang on, here come the show. Do 
and welcome to The Lynn Show. The Lynn Show is about being the person you really are, not to the person you think you have to be, not the person other people are, not the person somebody may have told you you had to be or even told you you were, not even the person you may currently think you are, but to the person you really are. Unfortunately, too many people have experiences in their childhoods which discourage them from being something that they really are. And because children are capable of pretending that they are not who they really are, some get so good at the pretense that they come into adulthood having forgotten important things about themselves. The Lynn Show is about saying that if this happened to you, it may not be too late to recover what you may have had to leave behind. In my show, I interview people who make their living or their life with an art, because when you listen to them, you can hear what it sounds like to be who you really are. Today, I'm airing an interview with Eva Slane, theatrical agent, patron of the arts, writer, actor, and dear friend. Eva's story is remarkable, unusual, compelling, and inspirational. And here now to tell it is the, as I said in the run-up, the more than remarkable Eva Slane. So here I am with Eva Slane in her gorgeous house, which she cleaned up just for me. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, my cleaning girl comes tomorrow. Oh my God, I did not clean it. (laughs) Well, I can't see. Right, I can't see. It's very straight. It's gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I'm just going to tell you what I tell everybody. I do an interview series called Anatomy of an Artist. And I interview people who made their living or their life with art. And I know this is true for you. So, and I always ask them the same question. How did this happen for you? How, how did you find it? How did it get you? Well, how did I guess I was born into it, actually. Born into it. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, would, I would say so, yes. Yeah. My father was an opera singer, mm. and my mother was an actress. Mm. Now, this was in Europe. Mm. Very different. And, but... That is kind of my background, and I think probably what I really wanted and never pursued because I didn't have the voice, I think I wanted to sing, Uh Uh, but I never did that, so then acting was sort of second best, Um, and I very quickly um, got into uh, the business end of things. I was with a in the days when Off-Broadway first started, when Circle in the Square first started, etc., I was with a group of actors and a director called Current Stages. Mm-hmm. And we were a group of actors, and everybody had to do everything. And suddenly, I was at the business end of it. Okay, now, you're in... Obviously, you're in New York City I was now. I in New York, yes. Right. About how old Yeah, well, I, I was I was born in Germany, actually, because my father was working in Germany. My parents are Austrian. And in 1933, we had to leave Germany because my father was with a state opera house, uh, something we don't really know here. (laughs) And when Hitler came to power, the first thing he did is he 
um, dissolved all the contracts with Jews. And so overnight my father was out and went back to Vienna. Uh, so I emigrated in 1939 from Vienna to New York and then lived in New York for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Okay, so now you're, you're in New York. About how old are you? Uh, well, I got, uh, I left, I, I arrived when I was 10. Ah, I was oh, 10. so you mean your whole family moved? Uh, well, oh. my mother and my father. My, yeah. <clears throat> actually, my father was here. My father was with a small opera company on a six-month tour, uh, which Saul Hurok put together. Wow. Saul Hurok at that time was not Saul Hurok. He was starting out, too. Mm -hmm. Everybody was starting out. And the tour was very successful. It was over and Hitler marched into Austria. So the whole company, instead of going back to Vienna, went to first to Paris, and then they went to Cuba, because the Cuban quota was a better quota. And half the company got into the United States, and then the Cuban quota was cut off. Hmm. And so half the company is sitting in Cuba, half the company is here. Hurok had contracts for everybody, and the people that got in came in on work permits, uh, work visas, uh, which were never fulfilled. So my father was always a little fearful that he might be deported, right. but that never happened. And the first thing he did is he got papers for my mother and me, and we were like on the last boat that, was, that came out directly to New York. Then there were the boats that went from port to port. Trying to find a place. land any place. Right. Um, Hitler marched into Czechoslovakia while we were on, in the Atlantic coming oh over. Um, so we were very lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in Vienna during Kristallnacht. Oh my. Um, but you know, I was a, a kid, a child, and um, I have vague rem memories of it. Not of the night, but the day after walking in the street and, and seeing everything. My, grand, my uh, paternal grandparents uh, had a business in the Jewish section. And um, my mother's father uh, and I went there the next day and saw the, the broken glass and the, the stores were all boarded up. And uh, I, re I, I do remember that. But I wasn't directly affected. Right. I was very lucky. I was yeah. extremely lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I... Uh, so you grew up in New York, essentially? I basically, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I went to school in New York. I went to Hunter College. Mm -hmm. So my parents and I got out, and very, very few of the family really wound up here, and now there's, there's nobody. There's me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. So you went to Hunter. Did you major in? There was no uh, theater major at that point. We had a club. Evan Hunter, who has an Italian real name. I was in a show with him. He was in a show with me. And it was an anti-war play called Sound of Guns, Babies Crying. Mm. Uh, I don't have the script anymore. I wish I did. I was interested in acting. I tried to be an actress for a while. And then, you know, there were no accidents. But by accident, I found out that um, a secretarial position in 
uh, an agency was going to become available. The wife of Ed Asner, Ed Asner was a client of the office starting out at that point. Um, she was the secretary and uh, they felt a little uncomfortable about her being in the office. He was a client. And I was at a birthday party sitting next to her and she mentioned that she would be leaving and I said, well, if you do, I'd love to get an interview. I did. Uh, I got the job and a year later I had my equity agent's license wow. and I became an equity agent. Wow. Which I loved. That, that, that was an important part of my life. So what you did was you helped to make life better for, mm -hmm. for I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, you know, I really feel that every performer gets their own jobs. You can open doors for them. You can get them auditions. Beyond that, it's up to them. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of performers think that the agents get them jobs. Well, not really. Not really. Well, they get the entree. They get them and without way. that, and then they've got to know their craft, to have put all that work in. Mm -hmm. They have to be the right type, which they have no control over. Right. And they have to have luck, <laughs> you know. Being talented isn't the only thing. No. It isn't. Also, they have, I think, to be easy to get along with. Because when it comes right down to it, if somebody's going to be trouble, no matter how talented they are, one tends to stay away from them. Yeah. It's not worth it. And that gets around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So did you, ha did you have to deal with that a lot? I mean, people who were not... Uh, not directly, no. No, I wouldn't say so. Uh, but my husband had a theater. My husband was a producer. And he would not hire somebody who he felt would be a problem. He would just get a good actor instead of a brilliant actor. It's kind of interesting because I have a perspective both from the producer, from the actor, I, and there's something to be said for each side. My boss was Lucy Crowell, who was really my inspiration and my, uh, I learned a lot from her. And it was a very small office, um, but we had very important clients. We had People like Helen Hayes, Lillian Gish, Uta Hagen, oh, I'm dropping names. Yeah, no kidding. Well, if you're going <laughs> right. to, if you have those names to drop, oh, yeah. I mean, that's um, the, that is, that is the cream of the crop. I did bring James Earl Jones into the office, but then as he got to be more successful, he became Lucy's client, of course. Ah. And we also, we were a literary agency as well. We represented Horton Foote. Oh, my. Uh, Carl Sandburg, and then after he died, the estate of Carl Sandburg, wow. and uh, you know, it was a very prestigious. Yeah, office. no kidding. So, I, I was very fortunate, and Lucy really operated more as a manager than an agent. We never took managers' commissions. We always stuck with the ten percent agents' commission, uh, but we really did a lot for our clients, which was very nice. It was very satisfying. Yeah, and it also made you desirable. So, how long did you do this? I was with Lucy for seven years, and then I was with an agent, with a commercials agency, setting up an equity department and getting them the equity license for two years. So I was an agent for nine years, and then moved to uh, Massachusetts, where my husband's theater is was. Well, that's a story, too. He started it in 54, way before I knew him. 
and built it from scratch. It was a theater in the round. It started with a thousand seats and then got up to almost 1,800 seats. We retired in 1983. When I left, when I left New York, we kept the New York apartment, but we. Our home then was in Massachusetts. Then I worked at the theater in various capacities. Whatever they needed. Yeah, whatever they needed. I started in publicity, which I did not care for at all, which is kind of funny because that's kind of what I was doing for the West Coast Black Theater Troops. And here it was okay because here I knew everybody. Mm -hmm. But when I started there, I really didn't know the Boston area. I didn't know. Right. I, I found that very unsatisfying. Uh, what I loved was working on subscriptions. Um, when I started, we had like 600 subscriptions. When I left, it was over 9,000. So it was, uh, it was, it was not, it yeah, was good, yeah. and I knew everybody. And, um, but I did other things too. We had a crafts gallery. We, uh, my husband and I, did all the shopping and inventory. And it was one of the first theater, big theaters to close. Oh dear! They had a 10.5 million dollar debt. You know, just couldn't get out of right. that. Uh, there was a fire, and they weren't fully insured. They thought they were, but they weren't. But it's in the past, and, you know, I kind of let it go. And But it's a loss. Hmm. It is. It yeah. is a loss. Yeah, and yeah. it's a big loss for that community. It yeah, really is. I'm sure. How long did you live in Massachusetts? Well, uh, we moved our main home to Massachusetts in... 1966-67. I was commuting in the summer, my husband was commuting in the winter, and it got too difficult. And, and then we got involved with a place called Kripalu, which is a center for yoga and health, and you're smiling, I you know, know did, about yeah. Kripalu. I do. Well, Kripalu had just opened the facility in Massachusetts, in Lenox, and we were there the first weekend as guests. Um, and then the next 14 years, we spent about half our time at Kripalu as part of the spiritual community there. Wow. And that was a, another part. You know, you look back on your life and you see uh, this phase and that phase. And it sort of stopped our looking around to move. We kept our home in, on the east coast of Massachusetts, but spent about half our time away. And then that continued. Mm -hmm. Once we moved in here, we still spent three to five, six months at Kripalu. But then my husband had an accident. Um, he, he was sideswiped by a car, crashed to the ground. It was just before his 82nd birthday. He was, he's old, was considerably older than me. Uh, and he was severely brain damaged. Oh, my God. And lived for a year and a half in a nursing home, and then I had him home for three years before he died. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I feel I lost him twice, once yes. after the accident. The man I knew, the man I was married right. to, was gone. Right. For a month, he didn't talk at all. Then when he started talking, he talked a blue streak, except you couldn't understand one word he said. Oh, my God. He was God. Complete, completely aphasic. And then slowly, slowly, some of it came back. And, you know, you could, I mean, from where he was, he was much better, but you couldn't have a real conversation with him, right. you know, it's, uh, it, was, it was very difficult. But I took him to theater, and I, actually, we took a couple of trips together. Um, Just the two of you? Yeah, yeah. 
I was very courageous. You were. I was very courageous. <laughs> you were. Oh, my I God. I think about it now. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I went to New York for my 50th college reunion mm-hmm. and took him with me. And that was one of the trips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we stayed at a hotel. And one morning, I was in the bathtub. And I had left him in bed. And I hear him rummaging around. And he comes <laughs> to the bathroom door. And he says, I'm going. And he's got, uh, he's wearing his pajamas. He's wearing a raincoat over them. He's wearing a cap um, and slippers. And he says he's going downstairs. And I said, wait, wait for me. I'll be right Right with you and we'll go and we'll have breakfast. Well, he was gone. So, you know, I got out of the tub, got dried off frantically, quickly, uh, threw some clothes on and went downstairs and he was no... And I said to him, go to the restaurant and wait for me there. I went to the restaurant. No, they hadn't seen him. Um, I went to the, through the lobby, looked every place, and then I went to the entrance of the hotel, and uh, it, you know, New York, it's very busy, there were cabs around and people, and finally the doorman paid attention to me, and at first he said he hadn't seen them, then he said, oh yeah, he thinks he did see someone like what I'm describing. He got into a cab and he said, look, what are you? Oi, oi. <laughs> and now, I kept thinking he couldn't have said LaGuardia. He couldn't get that word out. And why would he say that? So the, the doorman said to go to the security. So I went to security. And that guy was on the phone for the longest time and eventually hung up. And I told him and he called the police right away and reported his being gone. And then we waited just a little bit and he got a phone call back. They had found him. Uh, the police had him. Um, he was in a car rental place right next door. I think what must have happened, he probably did get into the cab. And the cab driver immediately realized yes, that, that this was not this okay. Was not right. okay right. Let him out. Yeah. And then he walked and this man at, at this parking place saw him and took him in and I think he called the police. police. Right. Good for him. So, but, oh, that was something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, I had visions of his going to LaGuardia LaGuardia and wandering around. We're going to find him there. Right, 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 right. Right, right, right. So that was pretty scary. (sighs) But we managed. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you survived it all. Yeah. So now I have you in Sarasota. Yes. And... I know that you're in everything. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes. no. Well, so how did no, all that... That actually happened after, after his accident. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember... How did it actually truly start? Well, the first board I was on was Theater Works. Three months after that, it went... Yeah. By the wayside, you know, they folded. And of course, I thought I brought them bad luck, right? <laughs> <laughs> and because of Theater Works, I got to know Nate Jacobs. Uh, oh. and, then, and then Nate formed his 
West Coast Black Theater Troupe, right. and I got on that board right, right at the beginning. So that's, I guess, how it kind of happened. And I was their publicity director for a long, long time. I went off the board and onto the advisory board. But you, that's not the only place that you are active. No, 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 no. I don't know. Then it just sort of progressed. Um, currently, I am on the advisory board of West Coast Black Theatre Troupe. I'm on the board of directors of the um, Oslo Repertory. And I am very involved with the conservatory. And I started sponsoring a student when my husband was in the nursing home. And uh, I have kept that up, and it's, it's a joy to be able to do that. I really... What does it require? It requires donating some money mm-hmm. uh, for their stipend. Right. Uh, and I get very involved with it, with the stuff they do. Uh, I really seem to know all, most of the students quite well, not just my, the students. Yours, not just yours. Right? Not just mine, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I do that. And I'm on the um, board of the Manatee Players. Mm-hmm. Also go uh, to the Venice Theatre. It's no longer the Venice Little Theatre. It's no longer little. <laughs> it has grown up. Um, and for uh, three years, I was on their uh, play selection board, which I enjoyed very much. So, I mean, you've really stretched on either side <laughs> yes, of, uh, yes, of Sarasota yes, here. Yeah. That's great. And then I'm involved with some other things, the Women's Resource Center and uh, various other... I, I keep very busy. My God, yes. Keep very busy. Yeah. I mean, even just the stuff that you've mentioned is, uh, is it sounds like a full-time job. You know? <laughs> yes, it is. I'll bet it is. It really is. I'll yeah. bet it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and keeping everything kind of straight. And then, of course, I'm also involved with the CUNY Alumni Social yes. Organization. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, yeah. And actually, that is taking quite a bit of time because... Guess who puts the programs together? Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's wonderful, and, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you, and I'm watching you talk about it, and it feels like a good life. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, uh, it's an amazing feeling to kind of take stock of all you have done yes. through your life and to realize you've done something. Yes, <laughs> you know. Yes, because as you're doing it, you you don't have that feeling at all. No, you, you know? get lost in it. Yeah, you get lost in it. No, I I think it's well. Clearly, you have done more than something. You have oh, you've yeah. done many somethings. Yeah. You know. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, um. So I I like to ask um, if you just take a second to think of what it's been like. If there's anything that you want to say about spending a life as steeped in the arts, in all of the arts, really, as you have? Well, you know, it's interesting you, you, you put it that way. Uh, I've never felt that I was steeped in the art. I, my, my passion is theater, uh, and I've devoted my life to it, but not in an artistic way. So actually, in the last few years, um, I've done a little bit um, I've done a little bit of writing, very, very little, very little, but the satisfaction I've gotten from it has been quite, quite strong. 
I got a letter from the Holocaust Museum in St. Petersburg, an invitation to come to a meeting, which I did. The Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. did a program of getting Holocaust survivors together, and it's a writing project. And they started writing, and there's a, they put out a book. And um, this program has now been copied by a number of other Holocaust museums, including the one in St. Petersburg. Well, I didn't realize what I was going to. I probably would have said, oh, I don't have time for this, and wouldn't have gone. There were 17 of us who started out, and for a year and a half we met every month. And in between we did some writing, and then we brought it in, and we read it, and we critiqued it. Uh, two um, reporters from the St. Petersburg Times were, were at, met with us. They didn't tell us how to write, but they kind of described their own process. We started with 17 people and wound up with seven. Uh, it was very hard for some people to do. Well, first of all, I didn't know it would be this long and this involved. I did it basically because I don't have much memory uh, of my childhood, of the years in Europe. And I thought perhaps by trying to write... Now, we didn't have to write specifically about that. We could write about anything. And we put out a book. It's called We Were There, Memories of the Holocaust. And we were all different... different I, I told you before how, how fortunate I was that I got out in time. I was not in hiding. Uh, I was not in, in a camp. Um, I, I got out. But the extended, my extended family did not. Right. You know. um, and it, it, it does... There is a certain amount of who and what I am that is part of that experience. No kidding. Anyway, we did this book. We had one book signing where all seven of us were there. That was in, in the, uh, the museum in St. Petersburg. And then here we've had, I think it was four mm-hmm. book signings. Um, and they went very well. And I did a... Um, Ten minute. What, what, one of the one of the things that I wrote about. Uh, I first did a, a one minute play. You know, uh, we have the got game, a minute. Got a minute. Mm-hmm. For, that that was the first thing. Then I extended that to a ten minute play, and uh, did that um, for the Odyssey ten minute play competition, I guess it was. And I won second prize. I won $150. I won some money. Oh my God. It was great. (laughs) So I've done a little bit of writing. So I've written four one-minute plays, and I've written two ten-minute plays, but the last one I did, Odyssey did not take it. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was good, however. Mm -hmm. And what I told, the story I told you about being in New York with my husband, and he um, disappearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disappearing. That's what that one is about. Wow. So, <laughs> so that's a ten-minute play. Um, and then I wrote, 
I changed that to a one-minute play, and I don't think that was particularly effective. I, I was not thrilled with it, but, but we did it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'll ever have enough time to do some more writing, but I do have a couple of ideas about what I want to write. I'm so sure you do. I just don't have the time. Well, it's just not enough time. No, for, for people who fill up their lives with, with <laughs> interesting things, there really yeah. isn't enough no, time, no. you know? And I, I think it's uh, really exciting that you're writing. Um, have you not thought of doing a little acting? Well, um, that's funny. Um, there's going to be a play at the Players Theater here, and it's going to be done in their new in their new theater, uh, which is a, a black box. The black theater. box. The mm -hmm. black box theater, and it it is about the Holocaust. Uh, and I auditioned. Wow. And I did a and I did a good audition. Wow. And I, and I was going to get a second audition, but I was I was away. I went to Massachusetts um, to Kripalu. Mm -hmm. My husband is buried at Kripalu. I'm right. going to be buried at Kripalu. Wow. And I like to keep some kind of contact contact with them. I have not been spending the kind of time that I used to, uh, but I try to go at least once a year there. So I was there when they had the callbacks. So I, I was out of it. But, but I did an audition. I, I learned a... Like an audition piece? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I remembered it. I, I, I memorized it. Um, and I got through it, so I'm very proud of it. I am so impressed. <laughs> I mean, what courage that must have been. Well, I thought I was crazy to do it, to tell you the truth. And then I, then I told a couple of people that I was going to audition. And I told them because I felt if I, if I said it, I would, <laughs> have was to going do it. to have to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually what I did is I used something of the, the one-minute play that I had written. Um, and, I, and I made a monologue. And I really need to... <laughs> the person that did the part, it, it was not a monologue in the play, so mm -hmm. it was a little bit easier. But it was so difficult to remember. It was I, I wrote it in such a difficult way, and I was not well, aware that'll of that. Well, that'll teach you. <laughs> <laughs> that'll teach the playwright. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I have to apologize, you know, <laughs> because I never, I did not realize how how difficult it was. Um, it's great. <laughs> so I don't know the next time I write whether I'm going to do it as difficult or not. I I have a way of writing which kind of, it's interesting. I didn't really realize it until I learned this monologue. Mm -hmm. When I learned this monologue, I realized what I do. And I kind of repeat things except a little differently. A little differently. differently. Uh -huh. A little differently. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you don't repeat it just the right way, it doesn't, doesn't yeah. lead to the next thing. Right, 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 right. So if you get confused, <laughs> you've lost yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. right. So, anyway. Well, but you see, what I hear is the, I'm just going to use the word again, I mean, the tremendous courage. Uh, because you don't have to take any risks in your life now. You just don't. But I believe that 
that is the thing to do. Uh, obviously, obviously <laughs> you do. And not only do you believe it, but you live it. Yeah. That's yeah. glorious. And I think, you know, at this point I'm old enough that it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I, you know, my guess is that you wouldn't find a lot of 82-year-old people saying that. <laughs> no, I think it's true. 80. 80. Oh, 80. pardon me. 80. I don't want to rush you. Right. You it's old enough. It's old enough. But you wouldn't find it. What you find instead is people who can't get the energy up to take those risks or who think, what would, you know, why do I have to do that now or what's yeah. the point and stuff like that. I know where you got the 82 from. From your husband. From my husband. Yeah, I remembered. Yeah. I remembered after I said it, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't, That's all right. I didn't need to right. rush you. That's all right. But 80 is... Plenty. I mean, what you f- you mostly find is people, they're not pushing the envelope particularly. Yeah. <laughs> and you clearly are, and it's lovely. Thank you. I'm a Capricorn. Mm. I was told years ago that Capricorns are late bloomers. And I guess that's true. Well, you are a beautiful bloom. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, a, it's an honor to talk to you. And, and you make the point that I try to make in in the show, which is that human beings really can be who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, can, you can mine everything that there is in you. It's not necessarily easy. Um, it's not even always safe. Yeah. But it is possible, you know? Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. This has <laughs> been a pleasure. Well, it certainly has been for me. Thank you. At her 90th birthday, Eva continues to demonstrate what it means to be your complete self. Eva continues to do everything that she wants to do, use her life and her resources to support everything that means something to her, that matters to her, and in so doing provides a beautiful role model for us all to follow. So as always, I hope you got something from this show that you can use. Something that interested you or amused you. Something that encouraged you to be all that you can be. To be the person you really are. You see, I'm getting older. My hair is turning gray Oh, you say my face and figure I've both seen better days Well, I won't be retiring I won't slip out of sight No, I will not go gentle Into that good night Some goddamn boomerang No, I won't go with a whimper I am going with a bang You see that I have had my shot My time has come and gone Oh, won't I please Get off the stage, let 
someone else get on Well, I, I won't be relegated Or leave without a fight, no I will not go gentle Into that good night Got some tang, so you won't hear me simper. I may have gotten. 